The following Knowledge at Warden podcast is brought to you by Vanguard, offering investments designed to help individuals and institutions reach their financial goals. Visit Vanguard.com. Thank you for tuning in to the Knowledge at Wharton audio podcast. I'm Peter Bowman, your host for this episode, along with executive editor Makul Pandya and senior editor Steve Goyelmi. Well, this summer, one of the most talked about movies from Disney's Pixar is the animation blockbuster Cars. And as art sometimes does imitate life, there's great interest also this summer in what exactly is occurring with General Motors and a possible three-way alliance with both Nissan and Renault. Joining us to discuss this recent three-car pileup is John Paul McDuffie, a professor in the management department of Wharton, who also is the school's leading researcher on the auto industry. John Paul, thank you for taking the time to speak with us here at the Knowledge at Wharton Studios. And please help us make some sense of what ultimately could have a huge impact on both the very needy GM and I would also assume the entire auto industry. Can you briefly explain what brought this situation about for GM and where do things stand today? Uh, Thanks. It's good to be here with Knowledge at Wharton podcast again. Um, The situation comes about because of the actions of Kirk uh, Kerkorian, who is the largest investor in GM. He owns uh, just under 10% of the stock. He's been uh, very publicly impatient with the slow pace of the restructuring at GM. Uh, He's had some strong opinions. A uh, sort of representative of his views, Jerry York, is now on the board. That happened after Jerry made a strong speech uh, around Christmas time saying what he thought GM should do. And one thing he said is GM should do more things like Carlos Ghosn did in turning around Nissan. So now emerges that uh, Gregorian thought getting Carlos Ghosn actually involved in turning around GM would be a very good idea. He uh, proposed the idea to Carlos Ghosn over dinner in mid-May, and uh, the next the world knew of it was a filing with the SEC that announced uh, that these proposals were going to the boards of all three companies. That mm-hmm. brought us to the dramatic news of the last couple of weeks. What's Kerkorkin's history with GM? He's, he's a fairly recent aggregator of stock there. Uh, fairly recent. He's been a longtime investor in the auto industry. He uh, acquired quite a large stake in Chrysler at an earlier point in time and gave Lee Iacocca headaches uh, with very activist investor demands at that time. Uh, I believe in the end made out very well with that investment, uh, has mostly lost money on all of his GM investments so far and would like that to change. Right. Now, where does it stand right now? GM is in a kind of a due diligence period to do research to determine the, you know, the validity of, of actually pursuing this as an alliance? The first step was uh, to get agreement from the Renault and Nissan boards. That happened quite quickly. Right. And uh, both boards said they would only proceed if GM's board fully supported it. GM's board met Friday, and they did support a study going forward. Uh, Kerkorian, uh, it's known, preferred that the board organize the due diligence itself, possibly with outside and independent financial advisors. Uh, GM management wanted to control that process, and so far they've won that one. Uh, Mm. Wagner himself will be the one directing the study. And how long has Wagner been president of GM? Oh, boy. Uh, Quite a while. I'd say eight or nine years now. Right. And how would you sum up his success there? Well, he's, or lack of success. Uh, he's, uh, he's a, a lifer. He came up through the finance function, as did his uh, predecessor, Jack Smith. Uh, he's, he's relatively uh, young. He's well-regarded uh, within the company. 
think generally within the industry, uh, he's uh, one of the biggest uh, challenges for GM, obviously, has been their relationship with the UAW, the high health care costs and pension costs, and he has led some successful uh, discussions, negotiations with, with the union, is seen as having a good relationship with the union. Uh, just a few days before all of this blew up, uh, GM announced that a uh, total, I think, of 35,000 production workers, including uh, workers at Delphi, which used to be part of GM, are going to leave the company with uh, severance packages. They also negotiated a big uh, decrease in health care costs. So uh, he's had um, some successes in this restructuring plan um, so far. GM's performance on his watch has been uh, up and down, but recently down, and that's, uh, of course, the reason for all the pressure and all the attention. Um, there are critics of GM's product lineup and the level of excitement that consumers have about that. One thing that he did recently was sell off part of the uh, GMAC, the financing arm, which mm. often in many years has produced a lot more profits than the automobile industry. Um, you know, when you start selling off your prize jewels to keep keep paying the bills. That's, the portfolio uh, suffers. Yeah, exactly. So uh, he's had a lot of critics, I think, some admiration for the way he's pushed this restructuring process so so uh, so far. But a very striking contrast with Carlos Ghosn, who in each of his restructuring uh, phases at Nissan, and more recently at Renault, has announced a very clear plan, very clear goals, very clear timelines. Wagner has done none of that. In, in light of Wagner's restructuring plan, what would be the, the pro of, of getting into this kind of alliance? Or would there be cons? <laughs> um, I think, you know, you can analyze this from a sort of analytic perspective. You know, what are the, in each separate area, what are the, what are the gains you could get uh, or, the, or the possible downsides? Product development, production, marketing, you know, supply chain, et cetera. And I can, can run through a list of that. Um, you know, there's a there's a set of power dynamics here, which are also uh, I think kind of kind of interesting and maybe part of what what makes it so dramatic. Um, one element of that, besides just the personal dynamics with the the two CEOs, uh, is that Toyota is just on the verge of overtaking GM as the world's largest auto company. Oh, really? And there's a sense of uh, who can stop Toyota maybe, um, right. in a lot of people's minds here right. uh, as they consider the possibilities of, of, of a tie-up. Um, and I GM, can get into some of the specific areas, uh, perhaps, as, as, you, as you like. Right. And GM is, is second to, I think, only Walmart. They were the number one uh, company for a very long time on right. the Fortune 500 until Walmart uh, uh, took over that position. Right. Uh, but, uh, you know, one question that I've been wondering is, uh, you know, very often... Uh, the best way to kill an idea is to appoint a committee to look into it. Uh, and, and, and so I was just wondering, uh, how serious do you think this exercise of GM asking you know, uh, to study this whole issue is? Uh, is this just something that is being done to keep uh, Mr. Kokorian happy, or uh, is, is something actually likely to come off this whole exercise? Well, uh, obviously this did not start uh, with a meal between uh, Rick Wagner and Carlos Ghosn. Uh, so other big the, global the mergers, factor. other big global mergers like Daimler Chrysler, you know, started with the conversation between the two CEOs. So this is being forced on on Wagner and and, and GM, and they're scrambling to um, to respond. Uh, 
I think one of the big questions is, you know, does Carlos Ghosn have a vision of this that uh, he can make very persuasive to Wagner, to the GM board, uh, some things that maybe we aren't seeing or we aren't putting as much weight on as he is um, at this moment that might turn this into a power struggle, from a power struggle into something uh, that, that, that looks more positive. Right now, if you add up the pros and cons of each of the, the sort of little pieces of the puzzle, it doesn't look like it makes much sense. Really? Um, but I have enough mm-hmm. respect for Carlos Ghosn to think uh, that it'd be worth, uh, worth hearing him out. It'd be, be nice to be a fly on that wall when, when some of those conversations happen. I would assume with an alliance that there's a huge uh, economy of scale in terms of purchasing and buying power and cutting costs. I, I mean, you mentioned that there's going to be some cost cutting anyway, but is that probably one of the big pros that you've got? an ability there to really centralize the things that work and, and, and kind of uh, curtail the things that don't and pass them on to the other, the other partner? It's, it's usually one of the, the very first things that you look at in this kind of, of, uh, of alliance or merger is all the economies of scale you can get. And this is an industry where economies of scale have traditionally been hugely important. They certainly loom very large in managers' minds. A lot of decisions get made on, on that basis. Um, frankly, GM is already so big, right. they don't need any more purchasing power. They've right. got all the leverage that they need in terms of economies of scale right. for purchasing. Um, now, one thing we know is that a lot of suppliers are unhappy uh, with GM. Uh, GM's pressure for price cuts, GM's uh, you know, relative uh, looseness about uh, kind of sharing supplier ideas with other suppliers, this kind of thing. You hear these, these criticisms. Um, there are some supplier surveys that show those negative attitudes and show some suppliers are starting to say, we don't really want to give GM our best technology anymore. Uh, we, we don't always even want to bid on their jobs. It's a little hard to say no right. when you're asked to bid. Because but, of the monopolistic nature of them? Or? Well, because of what a big customer they are. Right. Um, but maybe you agree to uh, put in a bid, but again, you don't want to necessarily give them your best stuff. So is GM losing access to some of the world's best suppliers? Could they get better access through Renault and Nissan? I guess it's possible, but I don't think access is the issue. It's not like somebody needs to open a door for GM. It's just more about the way they manage the relationship. And would Renault and Nissan tie-up change the way GM approaches its supplier relations? I doubt it. I see. I look at GM as a you know you're driving around and you see a lot of GM cars that are now coming and being brought back from the the Stone Age, you know, the classic car era. Um, Is that's not something that I think Nissan pursues. I think on the product development side, Nissan looks towards the future and it looks as though GM traditionally now is is pulling out stuff that you know models that worked in the past and trying to re-engineer them for the public is that something that you see as a conflict between the two or could that be a benefit to GM uh, if they had some kind of tie-up uh, GM is badly in need of of new ideas and help on product development yeah. I think going to evoke some of the great American car designs of the past is one thing they've tried. Ford is trying it too. They've had limited success. It's not enough to carry your yeah. whole product line. It's been very successful in the movies. I'm not sure it transfers over to the auto yeah. industry though. I mean, GM has done a great job of re- revitalizing Cadillac right. uh, as a brand, but that's been more through pushing towards bold new styling and really changing to a younger market the too, marketing. Right? Yeah, changing yeah. the marketing message um, completely. GM already has a lot of brands. Um, they certainly don't need any other brands. Renault tried to come to the U.S. once in the past and and completely failed. 
Um, it's not clear how a tie-up with GM helps Renault be more successful with that. What's the relationship between Renault and, and Nissan? Was that how long ago of a relationship was that? Started in '98, uh, I think the papers were signed, and uh, you know. Uh, uh, one very important point is that it is an alliance. The, it is, okay. I think that Renault owns about 44% of the stock, so it's less than a controlling share. Right. A few years later, when they recovered some financial health, Nissan bought about 15% of Renault's stock to, to have it be a cross-shareholding. Uh, um, they're very uh, strong and proud, I think. I mean, they, they talk about it a lot that um, we are two independent companies. We are not a merged entity. We, there was no acquisition here. Uh, we have separate boards. We have separate identities, and that's and we're just leveraging what we can from learning from each other. Now they've got you know one CEO um, for both companies. Right. So how independent they are at this point, you could you could, <laughs> you could ask debate a few for questions. a long time, um, right? But 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 Gohn has had ideas about how to make alliances work that are different from some of the other approaches we've seen, and that's again maybe why people uh, give him some credit with having ideas for this one. Uh, I have a jump of, uh, it's a very fascinating point. I have a couple of related questions. Uh, one is, uh, when Daimler and Chrysler got together, they decided to merge, uh, whereas in this case it's being done as an alliance. Uh, now, is there an advantage to doing it as an alliance rather than as a merger, uh, purely as a, as a business arrangement? And, and the sort of related question is, uh, what do you think... Uh, uh, Carlos Ghosn could do for GM that uh, Rick Wagner isn't doing right now? Uh, the Daimler-Chrysler merger, which also followed some big acquisitions that Ford made of Volvo, for example, of uh, Land Rover, Aston Martin, um, gave a lot of people some doubts about big mergers in this industry. Um, both of those companies seem to have a lot of trouble getting the, the benefits out of, uh, out of that. And so GM itself chose, has chosen over the past several years, uh, not to do acquisitions, not to do mergers, but in fact to have a bunch of alliances. So, I mean, there's, there's always pros and cons of these two different approaches, and, and people tend to pick you know, certain examples that, that they think are the critical ones, either success stories or failure stories, to justify their next their next action. Um, GM's alliances have not been particularly successful. They had a big one with Fiat that was probably the, the one that got the most attention because when GM decided it wasn't working for them, they had a clause which required them to pay a huge amount of money to Fiat to get out of it. But they did it because they, they didn't see the advantages right going, going forward. So, you know, we don't see so much skill with alliances out of GM to give us a lot of confidence. But we do have Renault-Nissan as a very successful alliance, and we know that Ghosn has very clear ideas about how you make an alliance work. He also has very clear ideas, to your second point, of how to manage a turnaround situation. He did it at Michelin before he came to Renault. Uh, he did a lot of things at Renault before he took the Nissan job, and now he's leading a turnaround at Renault, or a revival plan, as well. Um, he expects and asks for complete control. He does delegate a lot of things down into the organization. He picks young leaders. He gives them a lot of responsibility. He creates cross-functional teams. It's hard to imagine if he were being asked to fix GM that he wouldn't want to do it in a similar way, but with a similar amount of control, hmm. which then uh, 
obviously right away poses the question about, well, what about Wagner? So, uh, Where this is being perceived as almost, it could be perceived as a takeover to some degree. Well, yeah, we should, we should remember it's easy for us to jump um, way ahead on this. Right now, all that's proposed is that Renault and Nissan each take a 10% stake in of GM. Right. And so it, at the beginning, it's just an infusion of cash, which uh, GM can certainly use. Are we talking um, hundreds of millions in the billions? I mean, how, how much cash do you think that will be? It's about $3 billion, Oh, I so think. it's substantial. Yeah, it's substantial. Um, so, but with that investment, obviously, will come some, uh, some desire for certain kinds of control. We don't know exactly what that would be. Mm-hmm. It, it, it would be a considerable road before it would be going, pushing Wagner aside as CEO. Um, but that's, these are the issues that are in everybody's mind, including Wagner, as he decides how to respond. Right. What are you th- predicting the next step? What What do you think will come out and when? I mean, is this a, some, a process that could take weeks uh, before we hear something now that it's kind of in a lull period, or or is it you know possibly a, a, you know seven day turnaround before uh, we hear what's? Well, you've got your the the parties with different interests in this. You know, as as McCool said earlier, the committee can be a way to slow down the process and try to uh, make it go away. Kirk right. Corian will be pushing, and Jerry York on the board will be pushing for speed. Um, you can certainly argue that there's a lot of numbers to crunch in order to evaluate all these different things, um, or you can say, well, you know, we need to get the decision more quickly. Um, so I, I don't know. It's summer. GM just went on their summer uh, break, which is uh, two weeks for everybody in the in the company. Um, I doubt we'll hear a, a sort of a, a resolution before fall, but there may be some other factors creating urgency that I don't know about. I saw the market responded favorably to the announcement uh, for that day, and then I hadn't tracked it. What, what's the, how's it re- responding? It now? jumped up at first, and then it's uh, it's come down some. I think uh, with each confirmation from the respective boards that they're willing to go forward, it's it's tended to nudge it up again a little bit. Hmm. Uh, I think there was a, 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 a modest positive nudge on, on Friday. Right. You know, I think at some level, a lot of investors could be saying, hey, if all this does is light a fire under Rick Wagner and the current restructuring plan, maybe that's enough. Right. Um, and, and maybe, you know, not that Kerkorian isn't serious about wanting Carlos Ghosn's input into running GM, sure. but uh, if he doesn't get that, at least he gets a lot of things moving because of this action. Uh, looking, looking down the road, how could this alliance change competition in the auto industry? Uh, and I guess a second question there would be sort of what does it take to sort of stop a Toyota? Well, so I think that uh, issue of, of Toyota uh, seeming to have a kind of unstoppable momentum recently is, is, is probably at the, at the heart of that. Toyota executives seem to be saying recently that they focus more on Hyundai, uh, Kia, the, the Korean company that merged uh, those two companies recently. That's their biggest worry as a competitor. They're not that worried about GM. They're not that worried about Ford or any of the any of the Europeans per se. Um, there may be a feeling by Ghosn and others that hey, we want to be one of the serious players to be a contender with with Toyota. Uh, one piece of that calculation, which I think is legitimate, uh, is just R and D and technology investments going forward. The last few years and probably the next 15 to 20 are going to see more technological change, I think, in the automobile than any time since maybe the 1930s. Drivetrains are going to be the first place where there's a lot of action. Hybrids, clean diesel, the ultimately fuel cells, um, flexifuel. I mean, there's a lot of a whole menu of things on the table, each of which has a lot of development costs associated with it. 
there are already a bunch of alliances going on around those, but like on a project basis, and maybe the appeal of having a really big R&D budget out of an alliance like this to work on all those things and be strong in a portfolio of them is is uh, is worthy. There's also all the electronics coming into the vehicle. And this is sure. not only navigation and entertainment and mobile office, but this is all the things that electronics control in the vehicle's functions. Safety features, uh, you know, user-controlled, uh, each driver being able to pick the driving characteristics they want and push a button and get it to drive more sporty or more, or more luxury. Um, all these things are, are coming. The, the technologies are there. Commercializing them, getting them into the product line is, is what's necessary. So, anyway, all costs a lot, and, uh, sure. and how many uh, car companies are going to be able to stay in that game? So in wrapping up uh, as an analyst in the industry, what's your uh, opinion here? Are you lukewarm to the idea, the concept here? Do you think it's got merit? Uh, is it something that you would like to see happen or it really, you know, impact-wise you're not really too impressed with it? Uh, when I look at the list of uh, sort of the objective areas and, and what I would see as the benefits for the parties, uh, I end up skeptical. When I look at the power dynamics and the sort of barriers that that will create, some of the inter both the interpersonal and the organizational challenges of combining these these companies and their cultures, um, that leaves me skeptical. So I guess on, on balance, I'm I'm more of a skeptic. Uh, but I repeat one point I made earlier, which is I have enough respect for Carlos Ghosn to to want to hear his vision of what this could all be. Mm. Um, we could see his ambition and, and even hubris talking here in terms of thinking, hey, I already I, I did a great job at Renault and at Nissan. I'm running two companies. I got a little spare time. Let me take on GM. Um, or it could be that he really has, uh, has something uh, that can be persuasive and make us see uh, another side of this. Fascinating. Well, John Paul, thanks so much for joining us here today at the studios here at Knowledge of Wharton. From Makul Pandya, Steve Goyelmi, I'm Peter Bowman. Have a great day, everybody. For more information, please visit our website at knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.